0: I want to look at a passage today, the gospel of John chapter 19. I've actually preached a sermon on this at one Seed Church before, but I got a different bit. How many know that the Bible is not um, a novel? It's not a one and done. You can read the same thing hundreds, maybe thousands over your lifetime, and God reveals different things because the word is Alive, the Bible says. He says he is the word made flesh. His words we're reading are the essence of him. We can't separate his word from who he is. So when we read his word, we get something new each time. And it's not a feel-good thing, David. This is important, my brother. This is life or death, word of God. And so it's important we ingest the word to get the weeds out of our garden, you know? And so this passage here, most people preach about It's the passage where Jesus was on the cross and is right before he gave up his last breath and the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, he's so conceited. Just kidding. The disciple whom Jesus loved, he refers to himself. We talked about that last week, how John was not arrogant. He just had to refer to himself in a way that wouldn't resemble Bob Dole in the third person. So he said the disciple whom Jesus loved. When you hear that, that's John, the writer of the gospel of John, talking, referring to himself, where he stood at the cross with Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and right before Jesus gave up his last breath. He was thirsty. The passage reads verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clo- Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Jesus was creating a transaction right here. Then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. And that was a sermon a while back, how Jesus appointed him to take over in his place. But what caught me this week is verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst, thirst. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but he's about to die and he knows it. Does he really need a Gatorade right now? Is it really gonna make a difference? But he still told him, I thirst. He knew there was no gas station nearby. There was no QT. He couldn't even walk a mile like yesterday to get something. There was nothing and he knew that. Why would he bother saying, I thirst? So it says in 29, now a vessel full of sour wine, basically vinegar, was sitting there and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on a hyssop and put it to his mouth. That sounds great when you're dehydrated, doesn't it? Some some sour wine vinegar in your mouth, not. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So he said, I thirst and what they gave him was not thirst quenching. Why would he do such a thing? I mean, he's God in the flesh. But this thing of thirst, especially after yesterday and being out in the sun and a lot of dehydration going on, it reminded me back in the days when I used to cycle like once a year with my brother. You know, we went and bought the really awesome road bikes you know, and you gotta wear the funny shorts and you gotta get the special shoes and you gotta get the padded shorts because the seats, this is, trust me, you need padded shorts to ride those things because the seats aren't meant to sit on without the special padded shorts. And we used to cycle around Teshfield Valley. We'd go down to um, Joseph Hill Road. If you really wanna kill yourself and maybe throw up after, you ride on Joseph Hill Road, woo. And after about 20 miles, if you didn't prepare the day before, and I never did, because my brother would always say, hey, make sure you drink a lot of water yesterday and even a a couple days before, because it takes a couple days for your body to really hydrate. And I just always wing it. When I was always gasping for air, I could never keep up with him because I never listened. And we'd ride 20, 30 miles. And often I'd start getting the chills. I'd be sweaty and getting the chills. And what he says is, so you're dehydrating. So one of the things we used to like to do after we'd kill ourselves on the bike, or at least me, we would ride back to where his business is in Chesterfield Valley, and he'd keep a bag of apples in the fridge. It's like this secret bag of apples. I know, it's just apples, right? Did you know when you're like crawling after riding, cycling a bike, the best thing on the planet is a fresh apple? You don't want McDonald's. You don't want White Castle like we had yesterday. Thanks, Dad, appreciate that. It's just like trifecta. It's macronutrient balance, not. It's super clean food, not. It's White Castle. You don't want White Castle when you're, when you're starving for nutrients. So we'd go, to, we'd go to ASAP, ASAP Awards. If you ever need any corporate awards, Chesterfield Valley, ASAP Awards got you covered. He'd have this bag of apples. And he said, hey, you want an apple? I like to eat these when, after I ride. And I thought, it's just an apple. And when I bit into this apple, I'm serious. It was heavenly. It was the best thing Ever I couldn't believe how satiating it was to my palate, a simple, crummy apple that I have in my own fridge that I never could care less to eat. and you're all going, "It's just an apple." But you don't understand, it wasn't the apple, it was the juice. The juice is what was reviving me, I thirsted. And I didn't know how thirsty I was, even though I was trembling with the shakes because of dehydration until I tasted of what was good. And then I realized I was thirsting for more in an apple, which God, you know, God made the heavens and the earth and all the vegetation and everything, all the animals. He made apples. How funny is that, that he would provide a way to quench your thirst. So if he can quench your thirst with an apple, what do you think he can do in your spirit? Amen? He might be able to do something better than vinegar. I mean, if you like to drink vinegar, I know, it's, I, know I do a little apple cider vinegar here and there. It's supposed to be good for the, the good gut health and good bacteria and all that stuff, but you don't want to drink it after a bike ride. It'd be gross, man. But it's so easy, isn't it? Isn't it? To grab what is near, what is quick, to sustain our appetite. Everybody say sustain. That's just like staying That's just like crawling. You're you're functioning, you're sustaining, but you're not improving. It's easy to just grab something near to sustain our appetite, but why is it we still feel like dirt after we bag a down of Lay's potato chips? Has anybody else had that happen? It looks good, the yellow bag of chips is so good, the salt is so good, and then you feel crummy afterwards when you eat the whole bag, even family size. Yeah, Cheyenne, I know you, I know, I know. Yeah, you're raising your hand there. I, I relate to you. It's so easy, and then we feel like dirt. Is it just me, or does the instinct to eat a pack of Pop-Tarts, here we go, now the message is coming back around, right before bed, after crushing it in the gym, earlier, become my go-to remedy for feeling drained and excuse. I worked hard today, so I worked out in the gym, so I'm gonna eat a box of Pop-Tarts before bed. I earned it. But you don't feel good after the Pop-Tarts. It doesn't feel good to eat the chips. Deep down, I know in my core when I'm eating those Pop-Tarts after starving for carbohydrates that they do not contain the vital nutrients that I crave. I know they're not in Pop-Tarts, but it's easy and it tastes good for a minute. So does White Castle for a second. I wouldn't even give White Castle a whole minute of good. It's like a five second, this is good. And then what just happened? My body's poisoned. Well, I need those milk and cookies to go to sleep. I need the tryptophan in the milk. So I got to have some Chips Ahoy to go with it. Come on, somebody. You know it's not nutritious, but we'll do it, right? I'm preaching to myself because you don't even know about locking up the pantry with a padlock because I've had a problem. Have I told you this? I am serious. God spoke to me. Don't share this with anybody else or anybody on the camera. God spoke to me this year, and after 20 years of struggling with eating in the middle of the night, junk food, he said, buy a a bike lock. You mean lock the fridge like I would do from a little kid? Yes. My wife says, you're crazy. You have no self-will. You have no willpower. I said, Michelle, buy buy the bike lock. I'm going on Amazon two days. So we lock the pantry now, and we lock the fridge at nighttime. Because I was so tired of the same habit that I'd wake up like a zombie and, uh, chips ahoy, milk and cookies, uh, what did I do, God, in the morning, God, why have you forsaken me? I was tired of it. So I locked that puppy, and it's been locked ever since. You come to my house around 10 p.m., the pantry and the fridge are locked. Serious. And yes, I've gotten up angry in the middle of the night, going, what's wrong with this thing? And I'm shaking the fridge, I'm getting out a saw. It's bad. But sometimes you got to take drastic measures if you want to fix the habit that's crushing you and killing you and making you have silent reflux in the middle of the night. It's not good. Too much acid comes out of the, comes through the esophagus, gets in your throat, makes your throat raw. Then you can't preach good. So we had to do something about it. Lock the fridge. Touch your neighbor, tell them lock the fridge. <laughs> the problem is, we'll continue to sustain ourselves on what is keeping barely, keeping us barely alive going through these repetitious cycles of trying again, starting over, but then we're actually abstaining from what is intended to make me grow and make me whole, to improve, not sustain. So my question to you this morning is when you get tired and feel like you've earned it, now a cheat here and there is okay, but all the time, will you grab the thing that is actually stifling your growth or treat yourself to what will really bring you satisfaction your heart desires? And that's not a Pop-Tart. The title of this message is Deficiency Syndrome, a deficiency, a lack thereof, that which is needed to be sufficient. The syndrome part is the habit of, I'll just keep doing it. I'll just keep supplementing what is good with what will sustain. I'll just supplement with what feels sufficient, but actually it's creating a deficiency gap in my soul over time with different things. We're not just talking about real food here. We're talking about spiritual food. We're talking about our spirit life here, our walk with God. See, my consumption of junk, everybody say junk. Don't you just love that word? My consumption of junk will keep me deficient in my hunger for purpose. My consumption of junk will keep, there's junk all over if you want to grab it off social media. There's junk all over if you want to grab it off the news. There's junk all over if you want to grab it off your coworker when they're talking about it. You shouldn't have been hearing it anyway. There's junk all over you can consume that will keep you deficient because you're full of that, and when you really need to be eating some juice from the apple, you're trying to eat some White Castle to supplement what only God's natural food can bring. It's essential. It's essential, first and foremost. It's essential we get... Nutrients, I just started... So I've been I've been bad the last two years. I used to eat really good. And I used to like... We used to do like organic and we got into the clean eating thing for like a week. And then we we bought all the organic stuff and then it spoiled for like a week, you know, because we were like motivated. And then we just slowly drifted back, you know. So we've been trying to get... The last couple years, I'm like, man, I feel... I feel like worse. And, and they, I thought, it's, it's not just because I'm getting old. I'm not going to settle for that. It's It's because... I'm not feeding myself nutrients. When you go, when you go all day and you grab yourself some beef jerky and a hot coffee on 2 p.m. on Sundays and drive down out of town or whatever at 100 degree weather, guess what, you're gonna feel kind of bad later because it's not, it's not full of nutrients. It's not gonna sustain you for long. You're gonna crash and burn and your, your caffeine high is gonna go out the window. So we have to recognize what is essential, what we call essential and what does God call essential. In bad data, will make you make bad choices on what is essential in your life. Bad data means like I can go to Google and I can say who is God and I'm gonna get a lot of answers. But maybe it's bad data. Maybe it's not Relevant, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's like the devil in the garden who looked who said, You sure you can't eat of that tree, the knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You sure you eve you can't eat of that tree? Come on, I don't think God said that He can just kind of He can just kind of play a couple word games with you on Google and all of a sudden you're going down a path, you don't even know you're sending yourself off the beaten path to a deficiency syndrome. You don't even know because you don't know any different. But the subtleties are what create the gap over time. And if you don't recognize what is essential to your livelihood here on earth and in Eternity, it can cause bad decisions like when I used to eat all the cereal bars out of the box. Anybody remember when late 90s, everything was fat-free? It was fat-free. You don't want fat. Fat's bad, right? You want fat-free. Now, keep in mind, fat's good for you. You need some good fat. Good fat, bad fat, trans fat. But this is back when you said no fat. So we get the... I probably told this story before. It's all right. Preachers repeat themselves. Uh, You get the fat-free Kellogg's cereal bars. And I went to Maryville and I I didn't have any food at Maryville. And so, yeah, I stayed in the dorm, which is really weird. My parents were five minutes away. So I drive home in the middle of the night and I'd eat the cereal bars almost every night, Jim. She was buying them in bulk, probably from Sam's Club. And I'm going, it's fat-free. So I'll eat six of them, eight of them every night. It was bad data. I didn't know what calories were. I just thought it's fat-free. It's heavenly food. I can just keep eating it and never gain, gain a spare tire. But that's not true. It's not true. You keep eating, energy's got to go somewhere, and if it's not burning, it's collected. And that's what was happening. So I, was, I had bad data. I thought I was being healthy and essential with my health by consuming 27 cereal bars in a week. And then I realized my stomach was upset because God said, that's not the way I made it to be. You're actually consuming too much. You're making yourself sick, bro. It was bad data, I was misinformed, and it 's a culture that doesn't like to talk about God it doesn 't like to go to the scripture it just wants to it just wants to feel good. everything feels good, and that 's good because God makes you feel good, but there's a depth behind what we're doing here. And there's a depth behind your walk with God. It's called the word. And the word is truth and truth doesn't change. It doesn't pass over time. How we present it may change, but truth cannot change. And so, so what happens is we can kind of start telling ourselves, well, it's just a fat free cereal bar. I'll just do it this way. I'll just do my walk this way. I'll just do a little over here and a little over there. I'll just pick and choose my pieces. Someone came up to Nate yesterday and I asked him about, about our church. And Nate said, yeah, we cover the whole gospel. We don't leave parts out. I said, amen, brother. That's crazy. Why would we? Who are we to pull the scriptures out, right? Well, that wouldn't be the great commission. We don't want to just tell you what you want to hear. We want to tell you what God has given to man. We're just the vessel, the messenger. And so, so the lady probably gave him a funny look, but it was good that maybe that will sink in her heart because she needs to know that the scripture's there for a reason and everything that's in there is there for a reason. It matters. It matters. So it's essential and it's easy to drift on what we call essential. And it's easy to look full for a minute but be missing essentials and fade quickly. You know, like on social media, everybody posts the good pictures. A good pastor friend of mine, he did something awesome recently. He posted a picture of one of his empty services and he says, I know this is not the cool pastor thing to do. We wanna post the one that's cropped, that shows all the people and really got all the lights and the silhouettes and people think there's hundreds there, but I'm gonna show the one that's empty because I wanna be real. This was our first service today. He's telling and he's posting an empty room and it was encouraging because it was real. And he says, I don't want to play that game with people. Maybe I'll start a new trend called being real. And that's what he did. And it was so cool. Shout out to Pastor Wayne, Wayne Francis, up in White Plains, New York, authentic church. But it's, it's important that we don't just look full, that we are full, that we don't just look healthy, that we are healthy. It's important that we don't just sustain, but that we grow And you can get used to living off fast food. You can get used to living off unnutritious things. You can get used to consuming porn. You can get used to consuming sex. You can get used to consuming job hopping. You can get used to consuming lying. You can get used to consuming cheating. You can get used to consuming too much Starbucks. That's me. And then all of a sudden it's just normal. Doesn't feel any different because I'm used to it, you know? It's become normal. I didn't realize that I'm starving myself because it feels normal now. Because I've become used to it and I'm creating a slow and subtle deficiency. But balance in our diet of life requires balance. It's like a seesaw. Emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. You have to have all the areas, it's a constant, it's like growing a church. It's like balance. You got to have balance. It's like the never ending seesaw. You got just one minute, you got the seesaw like this. And the next minute's is woo, like this. Or another, another allergy is you got, you got a bunch of these things with plates spinning. And as one starts to slow, you spin another one and you're spinning like this. And that's life. You're keeping it balanced. That's called tilling the garden. Because guess what? In five years, maybe your garden over here is starting to deplete because you put so much emphasis in the garden over here. Your apples look really good, but your, but your rose bushes are, they're struggling. Like when me and Michelle tried to plant a plant, it was struggling. We knew we were not gardeners in the flesh. We, we'd rather just be gardeners for his ministry. And God said, just stick with that because you're not good at gardening, Gualtneys. <laughs> but that balance matters. That's what keeps an even playing field. That's what keeps you able to endure. No balance, no endure. You don't take a swig of something good for you once in a while some Gatorade in the heat, you're going you're gonna to go down eventually. What felt bad in the beginning now feels satisfying. We're slowly killing ourselves with a deficiency, silent deficiency. And my consumption of junk will continue to keep me deficient in my hunger for God's purpose on my life. If I'm full of the junk, I can never make room for the good stuff. Something's got to go. We can be so deficient, but distracted by convenience. You can just keep living in that world of convenience, which will mask the deficiency until eventually something gives, something gives. And until there's an understanding of the essentials of my faith, we will feel incapable of enduring. You see, you see, the church is a perfect analogy. If we relied on our own strength and our own talents to do this every week, it's been almost two years. It costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of time. People have their lives in this. If, if we were doing that on our own strength, we could not sustain. It would have collapsed a month in really. But God keeps us sufficient. He is to bring the essentials we need to sustain the long marathon, the Bible calls it, the faith of a marathon. It's not a race, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and you need Him to keep balance, to sustain. And we know this, which is why we are able to continue and continue and continue. And when there's weather's bad, we continue. And when people don't show up, we continue. And when the school does something weird, we continue. And when they do all this stuff that you don't know about and they text you weird questions, we continue. You don't know because God is keeping us nourished in the ministry. It's the same for you. As you witness, he keeps you nourished in the ministry. Remember, he said, go Go share what I, don't take a manual, he said. He didn't tell the disciples on the day of Pentecost after he resurrected to now go do the great commission with some notes I gave you. He said, I will be in you. I will give you the knowledge because it never was them. It's not us, it's not them. We are just vessels. Enduring requires being fed the right things. That's why it's essential we understand The essentials. What's missed in the day-to-day, because the convenience is very subtle, but it compounds over years, and a spiritual deficiency will soon present us down a path that we never planned to take, and we wonder how we got here. Because it goes fast, let me tell you. When we recognize the necessity of the essentials, no matter what life throws at us, when we recognize the necessity, we will recognize the magnitude of Christ's love. We will start recognizing the magnitude of what he did on the cross. We will recognize the magnitude of what sharing Christ is because we recognize the essential necessity of his love in our life to be sufficient and grow that we could not do without him. So that then shows the magnitude of who he is. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Jesus said, I thirst. Jesus didn't need a drink. Jesus said, I'm gonna show you something. Even to my last breath, I'm gonna give you more. Even though the world can contain all the books, I'm gonna show you one more thing for now. I thirst. You guys with me? I thirst. Look at your neighbor, tell him, I thirst. I thirst. But Jesus... I am your example. I am your example, says God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thirst for righteousness. That was another sermon. You can hunger and thirst, but you have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not Whitey's. Not Mickey D's. Righteousness. Spiritual fast food is what I'm getting at. Because those things don't sustain. He said hunger and thirst for righteousness righteousness and you shall be fulfilled and when you recognize that you recognize the magnitude does anybody remember the earthquake in missouri in 2008 was it 08 or was it 2007 i think it was 08 just the little baby one anybody remember that nobody it was so small only a few people (laughs) only a few people recognized it like me so back then anybody remember halo xbox you could snipe people it was the greatest thing ever You could read your Bible and then go out and snipe some people, it was awesome. You could play these little five-year-olds online that curse you out and you're wondering where their mama's at so you could smack them. You say, what are you letting your kids do? I'm 25 and you're whooping me in Halo and you got a foul mouth too, son. Yeah, that was me. Anyway, (laughs) so we play Halo a lot, Clint, a lot of Halo. To where I started having dreams about this thing. We play late at night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., me and my buddies. We, We were all married, you know, but we wanted to stay married so we eventually had to quit. So, so we're playing Halo and one night, so my wife has this uh, jewelry box. I gave it to her for like one of her birthdays or something, big jewelry box. And she has these necklaces that hang. They're free hanging. And one night I have this nightmare that the aliens in Halo were attacking my house. Okay, this is one year into marriage, no kids yet. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look over and my wife's necklaces are ting, 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 ding. ding, ding tapping the jewelry box. And so I'm going, how are these aliens shaking my house? And then I, I'm not joking. I ran down the stairs. My wife's like, you're an idiot. I ran down the stairs and I opened the door and I looked out and I thought, is something beating on my house? Is there a bear? Is there a bear out in my house? How could that, how could that necklace touch that jewelry box? It was an earthquake. We found out later, it's because it was an earthquake and only one thing could make that necklace move and that was the earth shaking the house. So it wasn't aliens, darn the luck, but that would've been cool, right? It wasn't aliens, but it was an earthquake, which was pretty cool. And then there was actually a tremor later that day at work, maybe it was the next day, and we just had a, for like two seconds. It was a tremor, but we recognized the magnitude of how great the shake was. It was like a shake and bake from heaven. It shook the necklace and shook the aliens out of my head and woke me up to realize God can shake things when you recognize the magnitude of his love. And if you don't recognize the magnitude, you're just gonna stay a happy church person. But when you recognize the magnitude, you're gonna go share Jesus with somebody. You know, come on, somebody. It's okay to praise for that. If it's good, if it's not good, don't praise. But if it's good, just praise sometimes. Help a preacher, out. Just kidding. The magnitude becomes real to us. And God's plan has this astounding magnitude to it. On your life, it's off the charts. There's no Richter scale for God's magnitude. Are you crazy? How do we say, are you cray cray? That's what we say in my house. Are you cray cray? There is no Richter scale in the heavens. God is the heavens. God is the beginning. God is the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He has no counselor. And we recognize the magnitude of his love on our life despite how we look at death in the sight of death. We recognize it's so much bigger. Wow, this is something different. This is more than about church. This is my eternity with my heavenly father. And adversely, living outside the will of God has a great magnitude as well. Causes a deficiency over time. It can cause walls to go up and other walls to come down. It can cause things you don't plan for, but you can't measure the magnitude of God's love and that recognizing of his love will allow his fruition, purpose, come into your life you have to see it spiritual eyes and ears remember he said you're worried about the Sabbath you're worried about a miracle hello I just forgave sin are you hearing some are you hearing me that's what Jesus is saying are you hearing me I just forgave sin turn on your spiritual ears see with your spiritual eyes he said they were around him for so long and they still just the light bulb wasn't going off And my consumption of junk will continue to keep me deficient in my hunger for purpose. And recognizing God's necessity, which is the essentials in my life is off the charts. Guess what we will do? We will change our diet. We will change the diet. Well, it felt good for a minute. I don't want that no more because it made me sick afterwards. I don't want to use them no more to feel good. I don't, want to, I don't want to talk to them over text like that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to look at that online no more. I don't want to curse them no more when I'm driving. I don't, want, I don't want to talk about my neighbor when I get home from church. I don't want to do those things no more because they make me feel bad. That's because God didn't intend for you to be full of that. That's junk. That's the junk. That's the devil's fast food to make you feel like you're getting full when you're slowly poisoning your life, amen? when it's serious, oh, this is good. Are you ready for this? You, I'm, real, I'm like, if you even got a pen, if just pretend it, this is the one to write down right here. This is the one to write down in your tablet of your digital minds right here. When it's serious, it will become serious to share it. Okay. When it's just I don't understand, and everybody, it's a walk with God. We, we grow, but when, when you get to a point where you recognize that this is serious business, it will become serious to share Jesus in the spite of, I have know people have been spit on. I'm not saying you, you like go thump them like that and you get all aggressive. I'm saying, but you come at people in love and they still don't have it. Man, you can rejoice in the sight of persecution, the Bible says, because you are doing the great commission out of love in a loving spirit. Keep it in a loving spirit, but don't back away from truth. It's okay, people are starving for truth. So eventually, the seed is gonna root. Just keep it in love. And when it's serious, you will be serious to share it. When it's just church, it will just stay church. Oh, come on, somebody. You can be, oh, I don't wanna say it. We talked to so many people yesterday, and the things they say you can be so good at going to church. You can be so knowledgeable, just like the Pharisees, that you miss the ministry, you know? It's crazy, it's backwards. You can be so good, I got it so figured out that the wool is pulled over my eyes and I'm a fool. You're missing the gospel, the mission, the great commission, the ministry, evan- evangelical. You know, we're evangelizing, we're, we're sharing the good news. It happens all the time. And it's sad to see because they're full of stuff that's actually, they're bitter. Sometimes they're bitter, but they're full of knowledge. They're resentful, but they're full of knowledge. They gossip, but they're loaded with knowledge. One guy spoke to me in Latin yesterday. I said, what did he just call me? It was something good. And I said, is that a, we translate it to English. I said, was that a Hillsong tune? No, it was some kind of old Latin thing. I I don't know. It was above my head. How simple. You can just speak English to me. I don't know Latin. But I did Google it because I wanted to know if it was good. It was it was nice. I don't even remember what it said. Something about grace. Anyway. Yeah, I mean a guy walked up and said something in Latin. Like, bro, I speak English. I don't know what you're saying. But thank you. <laughs> it was cool though. Did you know we're like a tank? You've heard vessel, but we're like a tank. We're more than a boat. We're a vessel that is a tank. And God desires we be receptive, be a receptive tank for his love. And you can get used to feeling bad from the consumption of the wrong things, like we said. But there's a point where you need to fill up with the good things in your tank. You need to fill up on the good things. And here's what's gonna happen in John 7. 37 through 38. Remember, Jesus said, I thirst. All those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Now, he says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, hey now, oh, that Jesus, he's good. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink because I am the water. I am the well. Remember the lady at the well? I am the living water. I don't need your bucket of water, lady, Samaritan lady. I am the water. Here he is again. Anybody who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, I thirst so that you know that you should thirst too. And all those who thirst for righteousness righteousness shall be filled. Let him come to me and drink for I am the well. And I want to fill your tank with my water. Guess what that is? My spirit. Y'all tracking with me? He is the living water. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit that left him on the cross and came back to us through the regeneration process in the book of Acts. It's in Acts 10. It's in Acts 2. It's all over the Bible. It is the new birth, and we are a tank to receive his spirit. And guess what's gonna happen when we start filling ourselves up with his spirit? We are going to soon overflow. Verse 38, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Oh, here's some more water, rivers of living water. See, once you consume enough, something's gotta give. The dam's gotta break. Your tank is gonna have a leak because you can only hold so much living water. You are meant to give some away. And when it's serious, he's gonna fill your tank and you're gonna wanna share it with others. He who thirsts, let him come to me. He who hungers for righteousness, he shall be filled. I am the living water. You will overflow. Let me tell you something cool about yesterday. Preaching so hard, I gotta take a breath. That's dehydration again. I didn't tell you that out of those grocery lists, so we have these one-seat grocery notepads. It's cool. You see one-seat church, all this stuff, and then you tear that thing off on your, on your fridge. And then there's like another 500 of those sheets they got a chance to see one-seat church, rip, one-seat church, rip. And maybe in six months they'll come to church because we gave them a grocery note, notepad. But in a, in a spiritual sense, that last box was pretty full at what, 4.30? We had to wrap up at five. It was from 12 to five. We gave out about 360 notepads and we had a third left by 4.30? That's 30 minutes to give out another 100 and something notepads. And so people are, people are quitting on us, okay? April, they're quitting on us. They don't, know they, it's hot, they're sweating. And, and guess what? Me and Cheyenne said, we're going to get rid of these notepads. I don't, we're, we don't care. And, and I, had, I had Cheyenne willing to do it. And so of course I'm going to push. And so I said, Cheyenne, let's give them away. So she leaves the booth and she just starts walking down everywhere she could find a human and she's planting notepads with a pen, with an invite to church in their hands. And she was hustling, man. In 30 minutes, we gave out a third of the notebooks that we had given out for the entire five hours, okay? You know why? Because it's serious. Yeah, I told him it's a grocery list, but what I'm really telling him is there's something about Jesus on there. And one of these days, you're gonna thank you're gonna thank God that someone gave you that notebook because eventually, maybe by that last sheet on the notepad, you're gonna see onceychurch.org and you're gonna come and God's gonna change your life. We are planting a seed in people. If we gotta call the frisbees a fan, we'll do it. If we gotta call we gotta call the the notebooks for the church uh, grocery list, we'll do it. Whatever we gotta do, we're calling them frisbees. We we said throw them at your siblings. Whatever we gotta do to get them in people's hands. We did it. That's why Cheyenne was recognized today because in that last 30 minutes, she grinded, man. It was a hustle. We were all tired looking at her. What an inspiration. She knows it's serious. She knows it's not about giving out paper. She knows, like I knew, this is a mission. And we nailed it, man. We gave them out. We did it. She even got all the in like we had a surplus of these cards, they were gone. I don't know who, she, we had people saying, we already got one, thanks. Like two, three times, we were hitting the same people so many times. <laughs> good, good, we're doing a good job, thank you. Sorry about that. Awkward. But we overflowed, that's what happened is we overflowed at the end. We, st- we stood the course and now it's time to overflow and let them have it. It was a one seed takeover at darting day. I'm not trying to be selfish to the other vendors, but it was, it was one seed day is what it was. We were hustling all the vendors. We were going to all of them. They were giving us our stuff. We were giving them, the, our, the, the, we were giving them our stuff. They were giving us their stuff, but we were, we were hitting their people. We were hitting anybody that breathed. It was no longer about them. It was about Jesus. We wanted to see if they had real security there, Jim. We said, let's see how, go, how hard we can go to see if there's a real security that will kick the church out. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> so we backed off. I don't think there really was security. Plus we had Nate, so we were good. <laughs> but God wants to overflow your tank. Even if it's grocery list, overflow your tank. It's going to pour out fast, but he's going to keep filling your tank. Remember, he's the living water. The well never dries up. When you're full of the living water, the well never dries up. So you have plenty to give out and the the well never dries up. It stays full. That's the only nutrient you can get in your spirit that will keep you lasting and growing. The rest will leave you by the wayside as your garden starts to wither. That desire to share is because of recognizing the magnitude which will cause The overflow. And as long as I hold on to Jesus, don't give it away, there's no room to receive more. We got to keep some for ourselves. The trick to keeping more is giving it away. Just keep giving it away. Out of your belly, God has something for your neighbor. It's called the Spirit of God that will flow. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Give it away. Grow into the next spiritual dimension because you've cured. Your deficiencies. If y'all could stand this morning as we close, I'll leave you with this thought. What you're doing may be good. I don't know what you do during the week. But ask yourself what's on my spiritual diet for today? What am I going to eat on the menu tomorrow? when Monday comes and Wednesday and Thursday and now I really need a break what's going to happen on the menu when I get a little pressed and I'm under pressure remember the pressure sermon some people couldn't handle pressure and they left because of the word pressure because even the word itself is honing a diamond and under pressure we can either stick and endure or we can burn out and run to what's familiar so I ask you this week Replenish those deficiencies with the word of God. Don't run from the word of God when he's not answering as fast as you think he should. God knows your situation. God knows what you're going through. Don't run from the only one who can fix it. He wants to fix it. He has a plan just when it doesn't make sense. Don't abandon the only one who can fix it, okay? Share that good news with somebody today as we go about it.